Welcome to the Dynamic Leader Podcast. My name is Shelley Flett and I'm your host. The intention for season five is to empower you to own your career, inspire those around you and influence sustainable change that is good for all. These conversations are to help you become truly dynamic. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi everyone and welcome back to another Dynamic Leader Conversation. Today, I want to share with you some lessons learned through the journey of leadership, but not my own. Um, I think I've shared enough of my own journey. Um, Today, we have Melissa Vanderbilt joining us. She's the head of Customer Experience Centres, and she has over 15 years of experience in building and leading high-performance teams in diverse industries, in global environments. She has a proven track record of transforming underperforming teams and programs. And today, I'm really curious about Melissa's journey and where did she come from and um, what were some of the lessons learned along the way. So thank you so much for joining us today, Melissa. Norris, thank you very much for having me, Shelley. Greatly appreciate it. So leadership is always a journey. I think it's probably the, the term that's used the most with leadership. Uh, I don't think it ever ends. I think we're all on this sort of evolution. I don't think that we can kind of say, well, I've got it. This is how you do it. Let's go and copy this. Although um, there are many different ways of myself written a book and said, this is one way to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Usually it comes from uh, a combination of observing others, of making mistakes ourselves. If we go right back to the beginning, the beginning of your career, did you see leadership in the early stages of your career as being a possibility? Absolutely not. Um, I, I was a very, um, I was not very confident um, as a person when I was sort of first started out in employment and um, leadership and leading others and being responsible for other people was absolutely not on my radar at all. That scared the life out of me, like the the concept that you'd be responsible for all of these other people that you needed to look after, like that was definitely out of my realm of skills, definitely. Um, I remember when um, I had one of my first opportunities to become a leader and my leader at the time, and she's still the best leader I've ever had in my life. And I did, if I did not have her at that sort of critical um, time in my journey, I don't think I would have become a leader. She had so much faith and so much confidence in me that it kind of led me to believe that maybe I had some of these skills or maybe there must have been a glimmer of something because she thought I could do it. So maybe I could do something like that. So, and I, I remember the first time I got to be a leader and it was, it was just, I was so nervous the entire time. And I was only responsible for one person. <laughs> it was not a team of 20, but that first step into leadership, it's, you sort of take on a different um, uh, approach to how you sort of go about work and how you go about managing your emotions as a person and as an individual because now not only sort of is it you and just sort of the people that you can potentially impact you have this other person and and their flow on impact from your behaviors and stuff like that can be quite significant so it was really not on my radar at all to become a leader and now I now I look after lots of people so it's been a long journey to get here and the confidence building along the way and the lessons learned along the way have been quite significant. 
And so looking back at that leader who is just your favourite, the best leader that you've experienced, do you see that she might have been able to see something in you that you didn't see in yourself, given that you're now an experienced leader, you probably do the same. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I can definitely now as an experienced leader, I can pick in people very easy, the, the really authentic, the, 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 the natural skill that someone will have as a leader and they can be quite oblivious to it. They can have absolutely no idea that they have this. So I think um, not only her identifying that in me, but then noting I had zero confidence in my ability to be a leader, but actually pushing me constantly to take that next step every single time. And this wasn't just one conversation. This was over years of mentoring and coaching and developing me and giving me a little project to sort of say, yes, you've done this, look how amazing you were, and then giving me something a little bit bigger and then giving me something a little bit bigger. So the time and the effort that she put into me back then, now that I look back at it, was so valuable. At the time, I thought she was just pushing me terribly hard and I didn't really understand this blind faith that she had in me. But looking back without those moments of... um, I guess, faith that I could do it. Um, I thought it was blind faith back then. But without those moments and without those opportunities, I definitely wouldn't be where I am now. And do you notice how, because I think this is, um, I think it's interesting to reflect on how much we're pushed. There are, we've all got different limits. We've all got different uh, amounts of discomfort that we will withstand, it's really hard to understand. Like it's it's hard to see in the workplace as a leader. It's hard for me to go, I, I'm not really sure what that limit is for Melissa. Um, I know I can push, but how much how much can I push before she before she falls over the edge or before she just resists? Um I know in my early days of of leading, I did push a couple of people too far and it didn't go well. The whole relationship broke down. It never recovered. And I'm still really sad about that because I could see the potential in them. Like I could see this amazing, amazing possibility. They didn't see it in themselves and they didn't, I guess, the whole approach. So how do you kind of work around that? Yeah, look, I think that's really, really difficult because in leadership throughout your entire journey, you're going to have some wins and losses, right? You're going to have some things that you think is absolutely bound to happen, whether it's, you know, identifying that next leader and sort of coaching and mentoring them to to the point where they can go and flourish on their own. Um, and, and then sometimes you're definitely going to get that wrong. Um, I think One of the biggest things is just remember that, you know, being authentic and having that human connection and that constant check-in with whoever you're looking after and whoever you're sort of charged to take to that next step is probably the most integral thing. Um, I think in my experience with this amazing leader that I had, um, uh, there was definitely times where she pushed me too far. Definitely times she pushed me too far and I just said, look, you I can't do this. I know you think I can, but I'm not that smart or I'm not that good at what you think I 
I just can't do this. And I think creating the relationship where I could have that conversation with her openly. So that psychological safety where I can say to her, I think you're wrong. Like I don't think that I can do what you think I can do. Opened up the dialogue where then she could sort of unpick it and unpack it and then present it to to me in a different way. And in the end, I would probably do it anyway. It was simply my inability to see the next step. So often it's not so much that they don't have the skill and don't have the ability. It's the inability to see that next step. So there's this big roadblock that they can't get past. And I think as a leader, it's just being really sensitive to that and opening up, I guess, a relationship where they can come to you and go, I, I, I'm not there. I can't get it. Um, so, and I think that's probably the piece, but I, I've had to learn that that's taken me a long time and I still don't always get it right. I mean, um, you know, we're all humans and we're all different and we all have so many different things that are impacting who we are and our decisions and our feelings. Um, and no one can know that to a deep, deep enough level, um, to be able to make sort of good decisions every single time. Yeah. I guess that just makes us human, doesn't it? Exactly. That's right. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, you talked about um, having a really good connection and checking in regularly. If we apply that amazing concept to the reality of the um, day to day, how have you made time to make that a priority? I am quite... um organized which is fortunate (laughs) and I I make time I literally have time in my calendar that has been blocked out so no one can book any meetings for me to just go and mingle with other people and just ask how they are so as I progressively got sort of like further in my career your calendar just gets busier and busier and busier so when you first start out it's very easy to have those time slots to go over and say hello you know How's your cat? How's your child? All of this type of thing, and actually get to know it, get to know your stuff like on on an individual level because they're they're people and they they want to be acknowledged as such, and you know it's really important and sharing a bit of who you are as well. So it's, it's it goes both ways. So if they can understand you as a, a person and what's important to you, and you do the same for them, you actually build that relationship. So that's just that human connection piece, right? As you, as you move further in your, into your career, you will often find that your calendar gets busier and busier. And I've definitely been in jobs where I've worked way too many hours and I've definitely burnt myself out and I have not paid enough attention to my team and probably burnt them out as well and have had to learn lessons from that. Whereas nowadays, like I will work my working week and I expect people underneath me to work the working week. I'm not asking 16 hours a day from people because it's absolutely unrealistic. But what that looks like is you need to make time for stuff. And if it's putting it in your calendar, you put it in your calendar. If it's coming into work half an hour early so you can have a chat, grab a coffee, you know, walk into the lunchroom, that type of thing, you absolutely do that. It's those human connections that make, make it so important. The thing is with the hybrid working now, though, oh, that becomes a lot more difficult. So it's not just the coffee chat anymore. It's also making sure you have. So every morning we have huddles with different sort of groups of people so that even if it's just for 15 minutes for each group of people, we've actually taken that time to have a connection. So there'll be a little bit of a business update, but it's also how you're doing. 
let's play a funny game, let's do this, let's do that. So I think human connection has changed a lot over this time as well. Yeah, and I love that you make the time for it. And I think there's still a lot of leaders out there that just expect that it'll happen when they get a moment. Um, and we don't. You never get a moment. <laughs> you never you get don't. a moment. I like, um, you know, I, I love, um, I'd like to hear your thoughts around loyalty. So loyalty in the workplace, kind of non-existent any longer. It used to be attached to um, the longer you're with us, the more loyal will be to you. And, you know, that whole thing has been thrown out the window. But I think there is this, I think there is benefit in in creating some kind of loyalty. And I do think it comes from, connections in the moment and it's the little moments that matter the most I feel like loyalty is built is still built and still exists but I think it's probably person to person as opposed to person to organization I'd love your thoughts around that yeah that's that's kind of true and I think because I've worked across a lot of different industries as well so I've worked um you know, in insurance, in local government, in, in state government. I've worked in healthcare engineering, global outsourcing, so a whole different range. And when you talk about loyalty, it can be very different in different industries as well, okay? So when you're talking global outsourcing, so you're talking high-volume call centres, that type of thing, loyalty is less seen because um, I mean in many cases you're you're hiring people that are very entry level they are not going to be there forever okay Mm -hmm. so you might have 300 staff that are on the phone um, and you might only have like 10 lead like 10 20 30 opportunity for leaders so you're not going to keep all of them right it's it's not going to happen but I think one of the biggest things to think about that while you might only be in in that kind of industry, a passing phase in their career, you still need to make a really good impact to them and you still need to give them great leaders and you still need to give them great opportunities and you still need to provide them connection. When you're working in an organisation, so say engineering, okay, that's a very SME type field. These people have spent years studying to become an engineer and it's not like they're going to be an engineer one day and I don't know a doctor another day and you know a receptionist another day they're not going to keep swapping fields they've specifically chosen a career line so I think loyalty in that sense is more to loyalty to their SME area so their study area and that type of thing then you obviously have the the loyalty to leader and I have had and um I know a, a few bosses previous as well, is when they move from one company to another company, you see a trail of people follow them. And it's really interesting to watch that. And when you see someone leave a company that you're in, you go, I wonder if anyone will follow that person because there is loyalty to person. There is loyalty to what a great leader that person in, is as well. And then when you talk about lo- loyalty to company, I think... Um, I think that that can become a little, I've seen less of that um, as I've gone through my career, unless it's been um, often in government, people will definitely do loyalty to government because they believe in service to their community and it's, it's, it's to the values of what they're delivering as well. But I think as a company, and it's something I beat on, doesn't matter what company I work in, is you need to look after your people. 
it, it regardless of what company that you're in because if if you've got customers that that's who looks after your customers right and your customers look after your business so if you are not focusing on looking after your people and that that human connection that keeps makes them want to stay then you you're really not looking after your company at all. So I think, you know, th there's different facets of loyalty, but um, the loyalty to people or loyalty to their leader, I've definitely seen to be one of the strongest pulls, particularly visibly going from, you know, one company to another. And do you find that the, um, the loyalty to person comes from a relationship that isn't all smooth sailing? Um, there can definitely be like, oh, I, I don't necessarily think that to be loyal to a leader or to be loyal to a person, it has to be a sweet relationship. Mm. I've definitely had leaders where I can sit in, sit in a room, close a door and have some pretty heated conversations. But I think it's a matter of being safe to be able to do that. Mm. And then also know that when you walk out, it's not going to impact you tomorrow or impact you the next day because you you have an opportunity to speak your mind. So they will definitely have the opportunity to speak their mind. But but constructive conflict, that there's actually absolutely nothing wrong with that. And it actually creates more strength in a relationship than not talking about things that bother them. So I, I definitely think healthy conflict is very important in, in those kind of relationships, yeah. Yeah, agreed. I, I think you get this depth of trust when things aren't warm and fuzzy with another person, but it ends up being okay or the outcome becomes greater than what it was previously. There's something about this tension that, unsettles and disrupts something that was probably not sustainable over the long term and allows it yeah. to reset at a different level. Um, I like the way you can you um, come back to psychological safety. It's so, so important to be able to create and maintain that. It's so much harder. It's so much harder actually doing it than it is talking about it. I think we talk about safety mm. quite well. <laughs> it's the doing it. Have you um you know, where have you noticed that you have might not have held a safe space? I'm I put my foot in it still so often, and I just go, oh my gosh, I didn't I didn't even think about that in that way. I grew up in the like in a on a farm, <laughs> so there are things that I've like had to unlearn. It's like that's not appropriate. You can't say that. Um, I still find myself slipping up. I, I struggle with holding a, a safe space. I, I can at times. As I've matured as a leader, I've learned what my triggers are. So when I'm in a stressful environment and things just need to get done and I need people to toe the line and just believe me, just don't, don't wait for the why, let's just run in this direction. And unless you've built... Uh, that trust with the team um, that they're going to do that with you, then, you know, it's not going to happen. <laughs> and you can become very frustrated and you can become very firm and you can really shut down people's ideas. And when you do that, you're creating a space where people are not going to tell you when you're wrong. 
And as a leader, you do not always know the answers. Generally, the answers are going to come from someone else and you're just going to facilitate the the implementation of what the best answer actually is. So when I've been in stressful situations in the past and when people are questioning my judgment and that type of thing, I have definitely just put my foot down and said, this is what we're doing and we literally have two weeks to do it. And it was the absolutely wrong thing to do because I created a space where people would not willing to step up and say you know what you're wrong there's actually three other ways we could do it that were probably better so I've, I've definitely done that before um, I've also done it before when and you'll find it I've probably only found it twice in my career so far but you will find certain personalities that you just you cannot work with and it is a very difficult working relationship and the first time it happened to me it absolutely shocked me because I've always found myself as as someone able to connect with a person and where I've missed that connection and I've tried multiple different ways to get that connection and I still can't find it, then going into a conversation with that person, I will I will have to psych myself up. So I'll, I'll have this whole preparation piece. And so, but once I get there and I present myself to this person to have a conversation, whatever it is I needed to talk to, whether it was important or not, I've automatically created a space where they're seeing a different version of me than what other people will see. So... I think they're the, they're the two main things that I've learned along my way to be very careful and particularly around that relationship piece. So with the different personalities, you will always find people throughout your career, um, whether it's, you know, from a customer perspective or working with you or in your team or another team that you have to work with. And I've learned, it, it's taken me a long time, but I've learned over the years to become curious rather than putting up this sort of emotional roadblock of, oh my gosh, I have to deal with this person. I don't want to do it today and I'm really busy because that presents wrongly when you actually speak to them. It may be subtle cues, but they will see a different person than what everyone else sees. So I think they're probably the two pieces where I've really created spaces that are not great. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you still as a leader can find yourself there and you have to sort of pull yourself back and you have to work out what your triggers are and you just have to be really, really mindful of it. And you also have to be really reflective, particularly when you've gone through a time of crisis or you've gone through a time of change, you you need to spend some time to sit down and go, could I have actually done that better? Was Mm. everyone on board? Did I drag them along kicking and screaming? Like, what what was the experience for everyone else? You know, the outcome might have been there, but how did the people feel? when you were getting them to that point. I totally agree with reflection. I think we don't do enough of it. It's the one thing that prevents us doing the same thing over and over, uh, allows that space to go, what other choices do I have? When you're triggered and you show up as, you know, not your best self and you reflect on that go, yeah, it wasn't great, how do you make it right what's your approach for because when you when you when you don't create a safe space then you shut things down and it's not just a matter of going whoops my bad stay open because I didn't mean that (laughs) often once it's it's gone I think people will give chances but you know how do you how do you recover? How do you come back from that? Because it's inevitable. We're all going to do it. How do you mm. come back from that? Yeah, look, I think that really depends on the situation. I mean, if you've upset an individual, it's very it's very easy to take that individual aside and, and just be honest and authentic with them and just say, look, I was having a really bad day. Like this, 
this how I came across to you was not the not my best self and you know how did that make you feel how could I do this different to different next time for you and that type of thing as well that that's quite easy to pull someone aside and have that authentic conversation when you do it to a group of people that is a lot harder to recover from so it can take it can take months and weeks and years sometimes to build trust for a group of people, particularly when you walk into, so walking into a new organization, you get a new job, okay? You have a whole heap of staff that you're now responsible for and they're all sussing you out and trying to work out what kind of leader you're going to be. Are you going to be a bossy leader? Are you going to be a micromanager? And they're, they're labeling everything that you do while you're sort of trying to work them out and that type of thing. And then you spend you know, days, weeks, years with that consistency, the communication, the transparency so that they learn what kind of leader you are. And then you come in and have a bad day and you tell them, you know, you need them to, you know, pull their weight or whatever it is that you're trying to get them to do and you really put your foot down and you've done it absolutely wrong because maybe you've got to spray up the chain, that type of thing. Um, and then you walk away and go, wow, I've just undone however many months in one conversation and that can be absolutely terrible so I think you know unless you bring that group of people back together and this would be the hardest thing to do bring that group of people back together and just be authentic and just go you know what I had a really crappy leadership moment and I probably made it really difficult for you imagine the impact that has to a group of people for a senior leader to put their hand up and say I was wrong that's that's significant and not only is that significant for rebuilding the relationship but it also teaches them a very valuable leadership lesson when they're looking after their people as well that saying you're wrong is absolutely perfectly okay you do not have to be right all the time but you have to be willing to put your hand up and say you're wrong when you are as well and so when you Put that beside the Melissa low confidence in the beginning around leadership. Where does when you when you have to stand up or when you decide to stand up and say, I had a bad moment, I'm sorry, in front of a whole group of people, what <laughs> what happens to your confidence and how do you make sure that that doesn't take a hit longer term? Yeah, look, I think that's a good question, but I don't think being wrong really should be taken as a hit to your confidence. Okay. I think it's 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 something to learn from. You, no one's ever going to be right. And yep, you can feel a bit sick in your belly because now you have to stand up in front of all these people and say, you know, I've done a really bad thing and I should not have done what I've done or said what I've said, whatever the situation may be. But I think on the flip side of that, the feeling that you get from rebuilding something quickly rather than having to spend the next 12 months trying to rebuild it slowly is a confidence boost. So, yep, you're going to have to take that little bit of an ego hit that, you know, you, you did the wrong thing. But I think the flip side of that is so much more important. Um, and I think what you're teaching them um, about you as a person has so much more value than your ego or your confidence. And I think you just it just needs to be put in its place. That's really interesting. So what I'm hearing is that you build your confidence off, it sounds like progress and also relationships. Like is there, what else? How do you know when it's time to feel confident? Oh, look. I, I'm not even sure I ever feel super confident. Like I, li I live in this 
constant flux of, oh my gosh, am I, I'm an overthinker. So <laughs> my mind is constantly questioning absolutely everything that I've ever done. Um, but I think it's more about um, what you're putting out there about you as a person, right? So I don't want to be seen as the person that is, you know, rules with an iron fist, doesn't listen to anyone, you do as I tell you to do. That is not the persona I want to put out there. So I think it's about making sure that you're putting out the correct um, version of yourself. And I think that's where I would get my confidence from, that people actually know who I truly am rather than who I was in a 30-minute meeting that I really was not my best self. So showing that it's okay to have moments of not being your best, but then how you deal with it on the flip side. I think that's more of a confidence builder than the fact that you've really mucked up. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, that's a really tough question, Shelley. <laughs> I, I'm always interested to kind of hear from people around, um, you know, because I get, um, I often get people comment that I'm really confident. I was like, I don't, I think seeing confidence in others, I'm interested about that because when you see confidence in other people, you kind of go, well, what are you actually seeing? What are you looking for? Um, and I think that's a little different for different people. Um, and I think about confidence throughout my career and how it's evolved. I think confidence was in the beginning, being able to get up and just put it out there, like to, to open my mouth and, and speak and probably had something to do with public speaking and debating that I did through school as a, as a measure. But then I love what you're saying about, and it sounds like you're a really deeply reflective person that, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm hearing that, um, in your, you operate in a moment, you go away, you reflect on it and your confidence comes out of your ability to have shown up as your authentic self in the moment. And that, that kind of determines your confidence. Would I have that kind of? Yeah, I think so. I mean, confidence is really complex. I think it's a real, I'm not sure I've read <laughs> enough about com confidence to understand it. Um, but I, I internally inside me, I am not a super confident person at all. Um, and it, it, if I, um, if that comes off from me, I, I would be very surprised. And um, interestingly, it's a good point, right? When I see certain people, I think, there's certain people that have this amazing outward persona and you just go, wow, you're just like this amazingly confident person and I wish I had that kind of confidence. But confidence is what's seen by someone else, right? It's it's not really so much what's internal. So I don't necessarily feel like a confident person myself because I'm constantly on a path of learning, growing, reflecting, did I do that right? Should I go and fix that? Should I go and do something else? Go and do that. So that's not innately characteristics of a confident person. But on mm. the outside, with someone looking in, that could look entirely different. And they might see that most of the actions that are taken are done in a very measured way. So it probably comes across a little bit more confident. And also confident like that, that um, you know, different people are going to see you differently. So, you know, I have a whole heap of staff. I have, you know... I do a whole heap of work over here. I have my family and all that type of thing. They're all going to see me totally different as well. So it's all perception and it's perception in a situation and a scenario too. Yeah. 
and there's perception that we have of ourselves in different moments on different days, depending on all the other things that are going on. You're right. Confidence yeah. is quite a complex um, topic to talk yeah. about. I'm curious about um, what, what's been your biggest, hardest, like the hardest leadership lesson that you've learned in your career? Um, I think surprisingly, um, it was sticking to my values, sticking to my personal values. So I've had, as I said, I've had a number of jobs and there was this one particular job that I had and, um, it was actually the most difficult job that I've ever done. And I I did it for a couple of years and it was not because the job itself was difficult, um, it was simply because of the management of the business and the managers in the business and they would say one thing and do another thing. So what I learned, I was I was still, you know, learning in my leadership journey. I had recently left my most amazing leader that I ever had in my whole entire life. So my expectations of having a, you know, really good boss were very, very high. Um, And I walked into this job and my immediate boss, um, as it turned out, I did not necessarily um, gel with very well. very much a do as I say type boss and there was there was no other communication um, really had and then the next level up was even worse and there was this situation where I was in um, a meeting and it was a teleconference meeting there was heaps of peers at about my level and then there was the next boss and then there was the next boss up so the top boss absolutely reamed one of the people at my level publicly in front of everyone for something that they had done or not done or whatever it was. And I sat there and this was in my first, I want to say three weeks in this job. And I sat there and I listened to this poor person getting absolutely reamed in front of all of his peers. And I got off that call and I said to my direct boss, if that person ever speaks to me like that, I'm leaving this company. And he goes, oh, he'd never speak to you like that because you'll do your job. And I should have left that job at that three-week mark, but I didn't. I stayed there. And as it turned out, the lessons that I'd learnt in that job about what not to do in leadership were more important than probably any lesson I'd learnt about what to do in leadership. So I think one of the key things is, you know, you're going to have some good bosses and you're going to have some terrible bosses, okay? Um it's, it's okay to walk away from a terrible boss is probably something that's really important to know, but make sure you take the lessons with you that you learnt from that because they will help build who you don't want to be as a leader. Now, the biggest lesson that I learnt in that journey was I probably should have listened to my personal values a lot more and a lot sooner, whereas it took me two years to stand up and go, what am I doing? Because I was changing who I was as a leader and I was becoming more like at leadership style and I noticed it towards the last few months so much and on so many occasions and I was so bossy I was I was a terrible leader at that time and I was not super kind and I'm just like what am I doing this is not who I want to be and I think that was one of the hardest lessons like it was great money it was you know a great job all of that type of thing none of that actually mattered 
because I was not being true to who I was as a person. And that was the hardest thing to do. And I quit that job without another job to go to. Like, I've never done that. Like, that was very, very scary for me. And um, I think that was one of the hardest things to actually believe in who you want to be as a person and don't compromise on that. And I know that sounds like it should be a simple lesson, but it wasn't. I was still so young. Well, and also it sounds like you had a really big value around growth and development. And yeah. so yeah. and so you kind of go, well, it, like I think reflection hindsight is always amazing with with those things. But if you were if you were to go back and do it all again with a with a focus or a desire to grow and evolve, we don't know what we don't know. Do you think you would do anything different? Um, I think if I went back with the with what I knew now um, to to that group, I would have been a catalyst for change rather than following. So I would have been a change leader in that space, and I would have you know you know that management upwards, and I would have been persistent and consistent. And I probably did that to some extent, but I didn't do it with a lot of confidence because I had had not been confident in really who I was as a leader. Um, and I was still working that out. So that experience came at a really sort of uh, young period in my leadership journey. And I didn't have the confidence to think I was better than the next leaders up or I knew different or a you know better way to do things. So I think I would have been a lot more persistent in, you know what, we're actually going to change things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I spent a lot of my time at that company being like this buffer between the rubbish that was happening up here and then looking after my people down here so that they were being protected. But, you know, it was harder and harder as I went along to keep that buffer because it was, it was quite sort of a toxic leadership environment. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I read a book at one point, I can't remember what it was called, but um, they spoke about this concept called the stop rule where you um, prior to going into, let's say a job, you go, what are the things that I want to push myself around and really achieve out of this? But what is, what's my stop rule? What is the, what's the signal that tells me now it's time to let it go? You, because I think when we're in it, it's, well, I'm here now, I may as well make it work. And we get, reality becomes a little bit blurred and you lose part of, I think it's great that you actually recognize you were losing part of your authentic self and, and that you were able to pick up on it as opposed to just staying there and just becoming and being miserable forever. Um, But yeah, this, this concept of the stop rule, which, which helps to keep us safe, but also helps to go, I'm willing to grow and evolve and develop, but there's a, there's a point. I think boundaries are really important for that, aren't they? Mm, yeah, absolutely. And it probably would have been really useful to understand that concept when I was in my earlier journey, because I probably would have been a little bit more, um, uh, I probably would have left a little bit sooner or done things a little bit differently. But I think, um, particularly when you're really young in your leadership journey, you just think everything is an experience. And if something's not feeling right, you often will think it's you. Um, maybe I'm not clicking with people or maybe I'm not understanding the business outcomes or maybe it's me, that type of thing. So it it can be very difficult to understand, um, I guess, and unblur that line is, is it the business? Is it actually just not a great environment or is it me as a leader and I'm sort of like need to learn some more lessons and that type of thing? 
Um, and, and to be honest, when I was in in that environment, you know, I, I ended up getting quite sick and, I, um, you know, I was worn out. I put on a lot of weight and all of that type of thing. So there were so many signs through this entire journey, but it still took me about two years to work that out. Um, so it, it, it was a really hard lesson for me that I actually needed to pay attention to my body. I needed to stop doubting myself and I needed to actually believe in myself a little bit more. And while it wasn't the greatest experience, it gave me so much more confidence for my next couple of jobs. So, and I think that was, yeah, and on reflection, um, while I did not like necessarily that two years, it was very valuable in my journey. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say we all need to have some type of experience like that with some stop rules that we have in place to protect and and preserve who we are. Um, My final question for you is around support and peers and community at leadership level because I think a lot of the time we make leadership a little bit lonely. We feel like we're going through it on our own. And um, how have you connected in with with peers, with people, with I don't know, mentors, coaches, lead? Like, how do you how do you create support around yourself? Yeah, I um, have definitely done the leadership journey quite lonely at times um, because I am definitely a bit of an introvert. So the whole concept of going out to a networking dinner, even though I've been invited to many, scares a life out of me. <laughs> okay. That is very awkward for an introvert to walk into this massive room of people going, oh my gosh, I don't belong here. So while there's definitely been opportunities for that, it, it's taken me quite some time before I've even felt that what I've had to say could provide any value to anyone else. So that's also that, you know, maybe imposter syndrome, self-belief type thing is snuck in there as well. But I think understanding how you connect, uh, how you can connect in your safe environments or how can how can you connect in ways that you feel like there's a little bit of control. So I've definitely done um, a lot of different mentoring programs where I've had mentors across different industries. And I found that one-on-one that mentoring has been extraordinarily beneficial for me because I love listening and learning from other people's journey because I can take snippets of that and I go, how can that, how can I apply that to my life? Or how can I apply that to the next six months? Or what did they do that fit this situation? And can I tailor that to do, you know, to help me in a particular way? So I found mentoring extremely valuable and I've had different mentors across my journey. Um, official and unofficial as well so mentor programs and also ones that I've just sort of grabbed hold of and decided they're my mentor (laughs) and then I've also had lots of different coaching programs that I've gone through again some have been work organized and some have not and then that's that opportunity to really nut out sort of um, I guess problem situations that you might not feel safe to talk to about anyone else you can't necessarily talk to about a colleague or that type of thing um, where you can get into the nitty gritty and unpack something and work out the best way to move forward. So that's been extraordinarily valuable for me. And then there's been lots of industry events through different organisations that I've worked in. And when I first started partaking in those things, it was absolutely scary for me. And once I got past that and sort of pushed myself a little bit more, um, being part of those things and actually creating those connections and networks with people is really valuable because there's so much that you can share with other people that you've done and you don't even realise it until you hear them going through a similar situation. You go, oh my gosh, I did that three years ago. Don't do this. It doesn't work. 
try something else, that type of thing. And it's really, really sort of creates the opportunity to um, learn and grow from a group of people that you might not necessarily see on a daily basis. But also the other thing I think is important, and even in the organisations that you work in, is leaders, there's often lots of silos in organisations and silos are often not necessarily caused by leaders who don't talk to each other, but can be fixed by leaders who do talk to each other. And I make sure that as much as I possibly can in any organisation that I create really good, um, I guess, relationships with leaders in other areas of the business that uh, whether they service me directly or I service them directly, regardless, understanding what they do and what my place in the business is, what their place in the business is, be able to pick up the phone and have a conversation and about, you know, an IT thing that didn't roll out properly or whatever it was, is really, really valuable. And it creates that opportunity to sort of talk through things um, th- that if you didn't pick up the phone would not be there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we need it as human beings, don't we? We need that we need that support and that connection um, and almost, you know, um, need we need someone to kind of tap us on the shoulder and go, is everything okay? You just, yeah. you're a bit off um, when you, yeah. you don't necessarily realise it yourself um, that you've still got that external resource but that is well-intended or that has your best intentions in mind. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's really, really important. Um that you've sort of pointed out that like <clears throat> we have a senior leadership group here and, um, you know, we'll have our different meetings and you can see how people are behaving in those meetings. And if they're having a bad day, you know, shooting the message saying, do you want to have a cuppa? <laughs> or do you want to have a five minute chat later or giving them a call, say, hey, you did not sound great in that meeting. What's happening? And giving them the opportunity to, you know, have a little bit of an unload in a safe environment is so valuable because they might not have it. You have absolutely no idea what they're dealing with in their space. So being a person that reaches out, that the ripple effect of that, the impact that that can have on that person, but also on the team and then the next layer down it is can be so great and you really don't understand that impact unless you do it. So I very big on the be kind initiative. So being kind to people and I, my staff get sick of listening to me, I'm sure. Um, and we had altruistic August and all of that type of thing where we have all, all of these different activities around, you know, just being kind to each other, just treat people like humans and like they care because absolutely every single person does. So, you know, we, we definitely do Are You OK Day, but we do it all the time. It's not just on Are You OK Day. It is something that we sort of embed into the fabric of our, um, um, in our team. So, yeah, yeah very important. I love, um, I love hearing you say be kind. I, as a parent, I'm saying it all the time to my kids. <laughs> but he said at first, it doesn't matter be kind, just be kind to each other. You, you don't have to be mean. There's a choice, you know, it's yeah. the, um, I like, I love that in, in the workplace. I think that's um, yeah. so important. Melissa, you have shared some really amazing insights and lessons learned. Your humility just emanates from you. And um, it's really inspiring to listen to, to your journey and, and what you've, learn and what you can offer uh, other leaders that are coming up so thank you so much for, for joining me thank you Shelley Great, greatly appreciate the chat thank you
Um, and thank you everyone for listening. I look forward to another Dynamic Leader conversation with you all soon. Thanks. Thanks again for listening to another episode of The Dynamic Leader. There is no better time than now to work through your leadership and people strategy, to establish what the future might look like for your business and how you might empower your people to help you succeed. It is through building the capability of your people and reducing their dependency on you that will keep you moving forward at pace and will see you remaining relevant in the future. I have worked with over 100 businesses across almost as many industries and seen firsthand the challenges that come with employing, engaging and managing staff. If you're looking to improve how you lead, why not reach out for a conversation? In the meantime, thanks so much for joining me and stay awesome.